Yo, what up? Do we have Oakland on the line or what? You have Oakland on the line. How's well, it going, Dylan? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Are we uh are we live across the airwaves right now? <laughs> we are. We are live across the airwaves. Um Tight. Yeah, we're live on KZAA LP 96.5 FM, which broadcasts from you know the area, so broadcast from Carpinteria to Galita basically on FM radio, and then this show will also be recorded and uploaded to SoundCloud later on this evening. Right on, right on. So what you're saying is Lompoc has got to listen to it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lompoc's got to listen to it later. That's okay, oh, though. Man. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever came across anything good from Lompoc. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't even think I've been to Lompoc, even though I spent, you know, two years of my life in that, in uh, Santa Barbara, so. Yeah, same here. I've been here for, like, almost six years, and I've never, I've been there, like, twice. Yeah, yeah, but, but no, no bad blood with Lompoc though. I'm not, I'm not talking crap about him. No, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Like you know, it's just one of those areas where there's just normal people who live there. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So thanks again for calling in. So we just heard uh, the ST EP, and we heard the Forlorn Hope EP. Uh, we heard the single second, the AFI cover, and then a couple song, and then the two songs off the Fame and Lift three way split. And yeah, we heard it all in a 30 minute block pretty much. So that was from all from Discourage and we are now joined by Matt, the drummer of Discourage. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Nothing like uh, getting out of work uh, 30 minutes early, having a cup of coffee and getting a chance to talk, uh, talk about this stuff. That's right, man. Yeah, that's I really appreciate you calling in the show. Um, I hope you didn't take off work early just to do the interview. Well, I just I won't show this to my colleagues. So, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, and where are you where are you calling from right now? I'm calling from my uh, studio apartment in Oakland. Nice, so. nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so you can hear Discourage all of the music on Spotify and follow Discourage on Instagram. It's at Discourage HC, right? Yep. Correct. Okay, cool. Do you have any announcements for the band you want to make real quick? Like, I know you guys just uh, did the shirts. Um, I know you just did the. I think Forlorn Hope EP was it like a second press or something like that. Well, uh, that is something that is going to be we're going to be announcing shortly. Um, I'll just let it out here. Um, <laughs> I don't believe it's been ordered completely yet, but there uh, Forlorn Hope uh, is actually down to two copies left at Patient Zeros, uh, Patient Zero Records. So you can go to the web store, um, get one of the last two copies of the uh, 100 um, variant. So it's the uh, yellow and green uh half and half split there's two left um the green is sold out i mean distros might have it somewhere but um yeah the label sold out there will be a second press coming um not gonna lie that is something that is it's kind of mind-blowing to me i mean i know like we're not like a huge band you know we're not like you know gulch being on you know third press at <laughs> you know at close yeah. casket which is like mine which is incredible uh, but like for us personally, like it's kind of a huge deal. It's like, whoa, enough people were interested in this thing that like we're going to go back and get a few more of them. Like it's really cool. And there'll be uh, some variants that'll look really good. We're, we're working on designs right now. And that's uh, that's going to be coming soon. That's so cool, man. Like, yeah, I think I mean, the record is great. Once I got put onto you guys, um, I haven't been able to stop listening to everything. It's you guys have a really amazing sound and it's just good hardcore and um, all around good music, which we'll dive deeper into later. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of records, man. A hundred, a hundred copies. Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was a, it was a 300 pressing. So um, 200 on green and then a hundred on, um, on green and yellow. Um, and then we're going to be doing, yeah, second pressing, which is pretty rad. So, and I appreciate you checking it out and, enjoying it you know above all yeah so. no definitely is it is the green and yellow to match the artwork or is that a's colors a's colors it was supposed right. to be we did we, we definitely wanted it to be like you know like more of a forest green and like a gold but you know you kind of got to work with you know what the pressing plant is yeah. able to do it's you know not not really feasible to get the exact colors you want but um it's funny because like I was looking at the the new torso record and they have like the exact same variant. I was like, "Hey, where'd you get that from?" So. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I I made a I did so I did some Bay Area like takeover jams on this show the last couple of weeks and I made a flyer 
the first flyer I made was all A's colors because I couldn't. I'm a like diehard Dodger fan, so I wasn't. Gonna, yeah. I wasn't gonna do Giants colors, so I did A's colors and then I did Niners colors. <laughs> yeah, I definitely saw that pose. I was like, I was like, oh, that's that's a that's a Los Doyers uh, fan <laughs> right there. So. Yep. Um, okay, so ideally, um, doing this interview, we'd have you and whoever else from the band live right here in the studio, just chopping it up, and you guys would be playing a show that I booked here with like down presser and violation or something cool like that. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been sick. Yeah. That's what we were working on. Um, me and a guy from power alone, we were just, cause there's been like this place that the show radio station is inside Casa de la Raza. It's like legendary for punk and hardcore shows. And so we were kind of trying to bring that back and we were getting some things in the works and then COVID happened. So it's on hold right now. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sucks. Like I, you know, I saw mental there like in yeah, 2005 and it was, it was, uh, it was a cool show. It was like right before they broke up. Um, but I was like, yo, this, this spot is cool. Like, you know, mental's playing on the floor here. It's, you know, 10 minutes away from, from my dorm room. That's rad. Yeah, man. It's definitely a cool spot, you know, cause hardcore shows are so much always, in like a part of community centers or like yeah. little churches and just cool spots mm -hmm. like that. And so this place definitely has that feel. So maybe sometime in the future, you guys will be on a little SoCal run and we can do a live in studio interview. That'd be cool. Oh, hundred percent. It will definitely have. Now that I got your number. I'm going to be like, <laughs> Hey, yo, let's make this happen. Yeah, man. I mean, we're kind of just waiting for the green light. You know, we, we've, we have the space, uh, I have the relationship with the people who manage the space. Um, I have help to, to put the shows together. The bands yeah. are, you know, dying to play. So it's just kind of waiting for the right time, you know? Right on, man. Well, let's hope it happens soon. Definitely. So you, so you lived down here at one point in your life, correct? Yeah, so I mean, should I just kind of yeah, for go sure. with, you know, all right, so, you know, it, it's kind of funny to me, you know, that I'm here on a show talking a lot of Bay Area hardcore, but like, if I'm frank with myself and with, you know, with everyone listening, like, I'm a San Diego hardcore kid, like, <laughs> I, I grew up in SoCal, and I lived there for 20, 25 years, 27 years, um, you know, San Diego was where I grew up. Um, I went to school in Santa Barbara after I transferred from community college. So yeah, I spent a little time in Santa Barbara, um, you know, and then um, moved to the Bay area and I've lived here for about 10 years. Nice. What part of San Diego did you grow up in? Uh, North, North County. Uh, so there's a town called Escondido. Um, oh yeah. I know. It's Escondido. In, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I grew up in that and there's like a little town um, just up in the Hills called Valley center. It's like a rural town. That's like, that's where I say I'm from. Like my parents moved there when I was five and like eventually yeah. they split up. But, uh, you know, we always were in the North County area. Nice. Yeah. I saw a lot of good shows back in the day at, Ch at the Che cafe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's home. Yeah, definitely. That's so. cool, man. Um, so school, so school brought you to, and you went to Westmont, right? That's correct. Yeah. I was nice. A, I was a student there. So that's interesting. So if you don't mind me asking, um, as a hardcore kid in San Diego, how did you end up going to Westmont? Oh, well, you know, the interesting thing about a lot of, you know, like the Southern California scene when I was growing up was, um, you know, there was a definitely a crossover of like religion and hardcore. Like, you know, obviously Southern California had that presence, especially, um, you know, in the late nineties and the early two thousands, you know, face down records was, selling out shows at the glass house um yeah. you know i mean <laughs> i actually got knocked out uh, uh you know during uh during the last disciple show i got spun spin kicked in the head woke up in the uh, lobby of the glass house and just got up and drove home so <laughs> yeah you know yeah it's but, no go ahead yeah yeah but like that whole there was that intersection that existed you know some people you know would certainly like not want that to be a part of it but i don't think you can tell the story of like southern california hardcore you know in the late 90s and early 2000s without acknowledging that that was a big part of it for a lot of people that's so cool man yeah because i don't i don't know much about that at all um and i you know i have like certain beliefs and it's hard to 
Cause it is, it, there is like a lot of conflicting values there, you know, uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to religion and hardcore and, for sure. um, so yeah, that's a really, int I'll have to read more into that. Cause that, that's a really interesting, uh, concept to think about. So yeah, Westmont, it's funny. Cause when you first told me that I asked you UCSB or SBCC and you're like, Westmont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So. and I actually, and I told you, but yeah, we, I actually, I know Westmont, you know, as a Christian, uh, school and a mm -hmm. lot of interns come from there to my work to do mm -hmm. internships with our homeless shelter. Yeah. Um, so that's super cool, man. Um, and it's yeah, cool. like like being there, there was like a lot of cool things that like, you know, the students get really involved in the community. Like it's not like a little ivory tower where we're, you know, sequestered away. It's very much like, no, let's like go out and in, into the community. Let's be good neighbors. Let's be, you know, good. You know, let's do good in this world. And like, you know, one of the things I was involved with was, um, was with the junior, the juvenile hall um, group. So on Friday nights, we would go to the Santa Barbara Juvenile Hall and just like hang out with uh with the the young the young people who were incarcerated there yeah and just you know we really had no agenda they just go and have conversations that's so cool man yeah i will say that about westmont all the people that i've met i know i mean my i work i work at a place that's that's connected to them and and i mean yeah we get the girls that are interns like 19 20 year olds and they're mm -hmm. they're in our homeless shelter face to face like 20 mm -hmm. hours a week you know, on the front lines doing the work all through, sure. all through COVID too. We've had more than, than ever. So I yeah. definitely, that's my, definitely my experience with, with that school too. Um, yeah. okay. So growing up in San Diego, what was that like? I mean, it's home, man. Like it's, it's funny. Like during COVID I've, I've spent, uh, I've gone back to see my parents. My, my mom still lives down there and, um, you know, kind of spent some time getting back into surfing and like, it's just, it's, it's home. It, fe it feels like home to me very much. Um, and I have just good associations with it there. Um, you know, growing up there, uh, basically my introduction to punk and hardcore was through a lot of the, a lot of the culture that's down there. You know, when you're, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old in the mid nineties, you know, skateboarding is starting to really take hold and it's a bit, a big presence in that, in, um in just youth culture down there yeah, and definitely. you know you so like growing up for me and my friends like what did we do after school we go outside and we skate you know or we go to the beach and we surf and you know we're nine ten years old doing this stuff and mm -hmm. um a lot of what my introduction to the scene was is i would go down to this local skate shop that was like a 15 minute skate away from my house and that's where you would get you know your copy of thrasher or trans world yeah or you get you get a skate video you get a 411 or something like that yeah um and that's how you got exposed to a lot of this music um you know being being the age that i am i'm 37 right now like i was cognizant of what was going on when green day and the offspring got big on mtv so like yeah that was tech that was technically my first exposure to punk but like it wasn't until i started hearing like bad religion pennywise um you know no effects like yep. that whole southern california surf and skate punk scene um got that i really mouth. got yeah well <laughs> dude you know what's funny i actually made the mistake of like listening to gutter mouth recently <laughs> I I was just like I don't know how it came up, but someone mentioned I was like you know what? I'm gonna go back and listen to that, and I was just like, oh this is terrible. <laughs> I feel like I've done that in the past year or so too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thinking but, that but it would the, be nostalgic or something, and I'm like, nah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, for the whole next day, like their riffs were going through my head, and they're terrible. Like everything is awful <laughs> about them. So. But they were part of that. They were part of that group of bands, you know. They were like I remember uh, seeing Guttermouth when I was like 15 at this venue, this terrible venue in San Diego called Canes, and they almost started a riot because like the sound guys cut them off during the last song, and I was like, "That's who they were." So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's so cool because I I've interviewed a lot of hardcore bands in the last like nine months from all over the country. Um, and it seems like almost every band, there's some kind of connection with skateboarding and getting into punk and hardcore. And yeah. it's, it's just really cool, man. Cause I grew up in, I grew up in Corona, California, which is, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we had, and I was blessed and grateful 
and am grateful to I grew up right by the Showcase Theater, which oh, yeah. was like the sickest venue of all time. And that's what we would do after school. We would go skate at like a at a school or a parking lot and then go to a show on like a Tuesday night and see uh-huh. like the addicts or something. You know? and so, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. I mean, I, I've, it's still just a tragedy to me that that showcase just still sits basically empty. <sighs> it does. You know? Yeah, I yeah. go every time I go back to Corona to visit, I stop by just to see if just to kind of see it. And um, yeah, it's literally has not changed since um, 2006 when it closed. Or I think it was 06 or 07. It just literally sits there vacant. And yeah. there's like an advertising like thing where the marquee used to be which was yeah. like, that was like a big part of what showcase was, was the marquee. Um, yeah, and yeah. now there's just like this advertising thing on there and yeah, it's crazy, man. It just sits there empty. But, um, I definitely relate to skateboarding and getting into music that way. Um, yeah. that's I, like what, to me, what makes like a place like program. So like special, oh, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, getting to like go down and, you know, some of the times we've played there, um, you know, and just like, you know, you got to eat from, from death by Sarah, just like, chilling watching your band play like <laughs> yeah. this you know this is cool and like there's skateboards everywhere like the, the last time discouraged played there it was funny because uh you know i'm playing drums and i look over while we're playing a song and welcome to hell the toy machine video <laughs> is just going while we're playing it's so cool and, dude yeah and like i feel like i played the best set of my life there just because that was happening you know so yeah programs definitely doing it right i mean they've got you know clothing records skateboarding yeah. all rolled into one and they yeah. had so many epic shows there um so when did you get into like how did you get into playing music instrument like instrumentally yeah yeah so like as like i've always loved music like from the time i was like six years old um like i wanted to be a guitarist and like you know some of the first records i ever bought as a kid were Nirvana, Nevermind, like Metallica, the black album and like yes. Guns N' Roses, the user illusion one and two, like that was my wheelhouse as like a six, seven year old kid. And like, <laughs> awesome. you know, I'm seeing this stuff. It's all guitar driven. I was like, man, I want to play guitar. I want to play. So like, you know, my parents like eventually got me this super oversized acoustic guitar that didn't fit my little hands and stuff. <laughs> and I, I like tried, but it just didn't work. So like, all right, we'll put you on piano. So, you know, like, like every kid, you know, who, you get, who gets forced to play like, you know, Amazing Grace and Hot Cross Buns, like over and over. Like I did that for like a year, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Like I, I learned a thing or two, but you know, I'm yeah, not, not if you're it. listening to Metallica. Yeah. Or eventually <laughs> like getting into like, you know, the stuff that we're into now. You yeah. Know? Um, but like, so, you know, being, being like a little skater kid, you know, in, uh, in Southern California, there was, I had my little group of friends, like we were all on the same street together. And like, um, we, you know, would hang out, we would skate together, but like one street up from us, there were, there was a, like a whole group of kids who were probably like two, three years older than us. And they were all skaters too. Um, but they were like, you know, junior hires. So they were kind of like, you know, a little more. Yeah. Next level. Yeah. 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 They, they, next level, they had some attitude that like we didn't have. Like, yeah. You know, if, if we got in fist fights, like we go like cry to our mom afterwards <laughs> and stuff like that. So they would just um, get in a fight and like smoke a marble red afterwards. <laughs> basically. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Drink, yeah. Drinking old E40 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but like, so we had this off and on friendship relationship with them, like depending on if we were being like, you know brats or not um but basically what ended up happening is um we went went up we were hanging out with them one time and just in one of their garages people were like playing guitar and playing bass and like i saw a bass and like i don't remember who it was but i sat down picked it up and someone showed me how to play uh, london dungeon by the misfits on it nice. and i was i was like 12 you know the irony of it is that i'll just confess i hate the misfits i i <laughs> So, so if you want to kick me off the show now, go <laughs> no, ahead. It's but, all good, know. dude. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. So, um, but yeah, that was the first song I learned how to play. And I basically went home and told my dad, I was like, yeah, I learned how to play this. I really want to learn how to play bass. And I think like a couple weeks later, my dad shows up and he's got like this Epiphone 
bass with like a cheap little Fender 15 watt bass amp. Nice. It's like, here you go. So I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So like that was kind of like my introduction to like playing stuff. And so I would just sit down, I would play, you know, I'd figure out songs that I liked. You know, I think this was, I think you were, you were able to actually start looking up like tabs on the internet at the point. I was like one of the first people who had the internet. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. So how did that progress and evolve into drums? Oh, uh, well, dr- so I'll be frank, like drumming is actually like my third instrument. Like if, if people say like, what kind of musician are you? I would, I wouldn't first off say that I'm a drummer. I would say I'm a guitarist, you know, nice. and I sort of do drums also. Um, you know, being in discouraged, like I, I, I sort of defaulted into drums as one of the first people like in the band. Cause it was like, well, you know, what do we need? We need a guitarist. We need a bassist. We need a drummer. I can do all of them. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm playing drums. So the drums definitely stand out on all the discouraged tracks too, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> well, thank you. So, because they're so terrible, I'm assuming. So, no, you know. not even. <laughs> so is there any, uh, where did you start any like small, like little punk bands when you were like, as you were growing up in, in, the uh, Escondido? Oh yeah, totally. Um, you know, it was like some of the, some of the stuff was like just little punk bands with your friends where you like, do stupid stuff you know your riffs are super derivative not that interesting but like you play like your friend's party and then you go you know get drunk afterwards or something yeah, like that dude, that was like my entire like all my teenage years <laughs> oh yeah and half yeah. the set is like just covers like black flag yeah. and minor threat covers and everyone's just like loving it <laughs> yeah and you know like that's just what you do you yeah know, you're 14 14 15 playing a kegger you know and stuff like that and that's just how you get involved so like you know, my, my initial, um, entrance into, into playing in bands was, was as a bassist, but I, you know, it was like, I had time. So it was like, I'm playing bass, I'm playing guitar, you know, I'm playing whatever I want and getting better and better at, at them as I add, the more I play. So the first little punk bands I was in, I was, I was a bassist, um, played in like, you know, like a good riddance AFI style band, you yeah. know, um, as one of my first ones with some, some buddies in high school. Then I played in like a, like a pop punk band that was, you know, really influenced by like strung out slash saves the day. Nice. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was, it was great. Cause it actually really pushed me. Like it was the musicians that were in that band were older than me. I was like 15 and they were all like 18, 19. Um, but they were much better and it really pushed me and developed me. Um, so I got better and better. Um, my first like hardcore band though, um, played in a band, uh, with a bunch of my friends called live today. Um, we named it after better than a thousand song. Um, and you, we, we were great. We were playing. (laughs) Yeah. Great band. Absolutely. Um, so we were in this, in this band and, um, that was the first time I actually played guitar was doing like primary songwriting. Um, and, uh, you know, we would play shows at, at churches there was a little venue in an esco called uh Sela that had a lot of the face down shows and it was almost like it was like the north county che yeah church in some ways <laughs> that's awesome yeah um but like we would play shows there we'd play the che like you know in 2002 we played the che i think four times and <laughs> over that summer like with over my dead body with piece by piece um played a show with desperate measures um played a Che Fest, like, That's you know. awesome, dude, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, go ahead. and then, then as, so as far as, like, background, how that transitioned into drums, I mean, basically, I just bought a drum set, like, you know. I was like, <laughs> well, I play bass, I play guitar, people practice here, I'm just going to buy a drum set. Might as well, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, dude, that's what's up. That's, you yeah. know, I have a lot of respect for musicians. My girlfriend uh, sings and plays guitar in a band, and, and a lot, you know, I know a lot of musicians and I just have a, a huge respect for it. I can play some power chords. That's about it. <laughs> and that's all you need. Yeah, definitely. I've been, playing guitar, I've been playing guitar for 25 years and that's pretty much, I've never progressed much beyond that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Um, okay. So what, what took you up to the Bay area? Oh, uh, well, so I moved to the Bay when I was 27. Um, I was actually born, born in Oakland. Um, and, for two years, my parents lived in Union City. Um, 
my parents are from the Bay. Uh, they were born, raised in Oakland. Um, and uh, so my family roots are here. Um, all my extended family is pretty much mostly still here. Um, and so, um, you know, I've, I've, I always had a little bit of like a heart connection because it's like, okay, this is where my family is. This yeah. is where we spend Christmas. Um, but what brought me up to the Bay is um, at the time, at that time in my life, I was married. Um, I'm now no longer married. Um, but uh, I came up to the Bay um, with my, with my wife. Uh Um, and it was in the context actually of the recession. Um, okay. Pretty much like I finished graduate school and like life down in San Diego, like in 2008, 2009 was kind of bleak to be honest. Like it was, you know, I remember when the financial fallout all hit and just day after day watching a new sign pop up on every single street for foreclosure, short sale, need to sell immediately, you know, until there was just, blocks and blocks of houses, you know, I mean, like life was kind of bleak at the time. Um, and, um, you know, we were talking like, well, what do we want to do? She was, you know, it was, she wasn't from there. You know, she had no connections there. I was feeling like, okay, I feel like my time here has kind of expired. And so we started talking about where do we want to move? And like, you know, I think like a lot of people, people looked to what was happening in the Bay as like, hey, maybe this is a chance where, you know, we can build a life for ourselves. Um, so we, we, we chose that because it was like close to, you know, where, you know, um, my family roots were. So um, and her her family uh, is not far from the Bay. So um, it was really just an opportunity for us to say, like, hey, we've got to find a way to build a life for ourselves. And that's yeah. what uh, that's what brought me to the Bay. So like like a lot of people who are here now i'm a transplant and i i sort of acknowledge that you know being on a show talking bay area hardcore there's a lot of people who have been here their entire lives they feel very rooted to the bay and yeah one of the one of the sad things about the bay is that there are a lot of people who do come in who don't have a sense of like place or community and they kind of take 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 but then like when things get inconvenient they bounce you know yeah Uh, um and so, like, you know, that's something that I that I that I see happening, and I try to be cognizant of, um, you know, as as a transplant who's in some ways feels feels like a guest in some ways, you know. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I kind of feel I, mean, I kind of feel that way here because you know I my roots are in in Riverside County in the Inland Empire and yeah, yeah. everything that was happening was showcased in that time, and then you know, my life took a different direction. And then I, I was away from music and all that stuff for a long time. And mm-hmm. now I've started this radio show a few years ago and in up here in the 805, which is like historical nardcore, like, I mean, yeah. you, you know all about that. So I feel that way here oh, yeah. as, as a guest, you know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. the 805 is like historically like in control, you know, mm-hmm. retaliate, like all yep. those bands and everything they're doing here. And I've, connected to all those people but i definitely understand that you know like yeah so um, yeah or just even going back even further like into the 80s with you know static 13 and like all, and, yeah yeah like that that really it's funny like i actually have a copy of the indecision um compilation nardcore for life i just i was looking looking at my records and i see it right here and while we're talking about it and <laughs> seeing like all the bands who are on it you know and the deep history that that scene has is oh yeah pretty pretty remarkable. It is remarkable. Yeah, I got to play that on the I got to play that the Nardcore for Life comp on the radio here, which was awesome. And then I yeah, uh, Stu from a band called Omega Point down here. He did a '90s uh, Reflections compilation, which was like a it was like a zines and then a Ooh. compilation tape from Nardcore from 1990 to 1999, and yeah. it was like really awesome. So. Um, yeah, but I get that the feeling like a guest. That's that's cool. I've never really like talked about that with anyone. I kind of just am like, I feel that though for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, mean, it's just the reality of life that we live, you know, and our stories and experiences. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I took a deep dive into the Bay Area scene over the last two weeks because um, I I mean I I liked a lot of bands from up there. You know, when I was younger, Allegiance was like one of my favorite bands, like yeah, for sure, ever, dude. And they were like pretty gangster how they just came and 
played for a few years and put out three like amazing records and that was yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um obviously ceremony and you know um lights out and bands mm -hmm. like that but i took a deeper dive and i learned a lot about the scene up there man like I knew that Sammy Winston passed away when all that happened, but I didn't really know much about who he was. And, you know, I about like all bets off and mm -hmm. Grace Alley and then the record label he had. And, and I, I don't know, it was really cool. It was really like, I felt like I learned a lot about it and I felt like, it, like I could play the music and talk about it. And it just seems like it's just such a historical and, and cool place. Um, and I wanted, I guess I wanted to ask, like, when you first moved up there, did you jump right into going to shows and, and stuff like that? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just reveal my cards. Not really. Like, when I, like you mentioned, I mean, I don't know much about your story about how you went away from music for a while, too. But in a lot of ways, so did I. Like, probably around, like, 2004, 2005. I sort of started getting a little like heart, a little more ambivalent towards hardcore. I never like, you know, I never like left. I never denied, you know, any association with hardcore. I just, you know, it took a, it took a different place in my life. Um, you know, from where it was when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, you know? Um, so when I first got, got up to the Bay, there was probably a good, you know, four or five years where I was doing the career thing, like yeah. working, working 60 hours a week for a shipping company, just trying to, trying to survive, <laughs> frankly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm a fan. I'm a family man now. I'm, I'm, I'm a husband. And you know, yep. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to show up for my family, you know? Um, so that was really a lot of my priority, but you know, I, um, you know, I, I'd been to Gilman once before, um, in 2001 actually. Um, and then I come back to the Bay and it's like, okay, well, Gilman's still here. I had heard of submission, you know, some of the venues that were going on. Um, and so I definitely went to shows, you know, but it wasn't like, it's been interesting because as discourage became a thing, it really was sort of like it hit at sort of crucial turning points in my life, such as, the end of my marriage, such as yeah. deciding to be, to, to quit drinking and be sober. Um, yeah. and it sort of really ascended for me from there. So there are a lot of things that I, that I actually feel like I missed out on. Um, you know, if I, if I think of like what's happening in Santa Cruz, like yeah. really like there, we showed up at sort of the tail end of the beginnings of something great that's happening there. Um, but, you know, so I so I get here and, you know, there's definitely spots like Gilman. Um, but as as the Bay Area has really changed over the past 10 years, um, you know, a lot of spots aren't around anymore. Um, and that's, you know, sort of that as we go back and talk about that idea of like being guests where we are and seeing how, you know, neighborhoods change and I say gentrify, um, yeah. you know, the the place i live is not the same place that i came into for sure um so there's still a vibrance but there's also you know spots that were here that aren't around anymore definitely yeah that's it's crazy as you're, you're just explaining everything and i i just have such a similar experience i've never really shared it with anyone like because yeah. i yeah so i grew up you know going to showcase and and was really involved in the music scene there my friends were in bands and I used to, I don't know if you've ever heard of minority unit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so Rudy and Dorian from minority unit are from Corona and I used to smoke blunts with those guys and stuff yeah. before they, <laughs> before they were straight edge. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I basically became a junkie and like dis mm. disappeared off the face of the earth for like, you know, seven or eight years. And I came to Santa and through that time, I really, forgot that hardcore was even a thing you know what i mean and like i didn't For forget sure. about it but i just was in no shape you know to even think about anything related to music and stuff like that so i came to santa barbara to get sober and mm -hmm. and you know i've been here ever since and i really like reconnected to the music and then started this radio show and i i feel like there's a lot of stuff i missed out on too you know like yeah. if it wasn't for the have heart reunion in 
2019, I I would have been like always thinking that I was such a failure for never being able to see Have Heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so so you so you were down there too. I was, man. I yeah. was. I was always always been on the Sound and Fury like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, email thread, and I got yeah. the. I had already got my tickets early before they released, you know, the lineup, and so uh-huh. I was able to be there. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. Were you there? Yep. Oh yep. yeah, dude. It's funny because I interviewed uh, Rejection Pact a few weeks ago, and we like we we talked about you know because they were there too, and I've talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people about that night, and uh, yeah. I was pretty tapped out by the time Have Heart played because it was like no warning. Fury, yeah. Basement, One Step Closer had played already. Yep. And yep. so I was just like, it, that was amazing. That was like probably the greatest show I've ever been to, one of them at least. Yeah, I mean, like I, up until up till that night, I would have said that the most intense, insane show I'd ever seen was Hatebreed at the Showcase in nice. 2002. Nice, they, nice. When they did a surprise set for the, for the last Notice and Victim show. And it was just utter, just violence. It was... <laughs> there's there's only been that that was one of the few times i've actually been legitimately terrified for my life at a show <laughs> it was five songs of, of chaos and Dude, yeah like the only other show that matched that was that was the have heart set at sound and fury just people recklessly throwing themselves everywhere <laughs> yeah. it was insane it was insane man it was insane um yeah hate breed at showcase 2002 that i can imagine yeah gosh i miss showcase um yeah all right well where time flies when i do these interviews because they're always so much (laughs) they're always so much fun so i you know we'll take the remaining time we can go to 5 30 a little over but i definitely want to talk about discourage um like i said i i don't know how i missed discourage but i did and then i think it was honestly i might have came across you guys some time in the past but after um you got you one thing i will say that i love about the instagram page and and discourage is you're always posting stuff about other bands other projects you know in the hardcore community and anything related and i just think that's super cool and um so i think you like reposted the rejection pact interview and i saw you and so i checked out your music and i was immediately hooked because it just has like such a perfect classic hardcore sound with you know your own twist on it um so how did discourage start yeah so um first off thanks for acknowledging you know the the way that we kind of do like repost that's that's an intentional thing because like as a hardcore kid i just believe that you know that you you lift up your community you know rising tides lift all boats and that's sort of we're in this together so we've got each other and we'll we'll keep doing that because we would rather be that than be the hype. So for sure, man. Um, so back. So, so the question, how did discourage start? So, you know, I'm living in the Bay, um, in 2016 and, um, the band was actually started by our vocalist, Eric, um, who it's funny. I'm in my studio apartment and I can look and see his house from here. He's uh, two, <laughs> bl- two houses down from me. Um, so he moved here from Boston and he was initially, he was in a band called Kamachi out there with some of his friends. Um, and he moved, so he moved out here and, um, there's a, there's a little record store down the street, uh, from where we both live right now called one, two, three, four, go records. And they, they have shows there, um, occasionally. I mean, they were really active in doing shows for a while. Um, so one night I go to a show there, um, it was cutting through, um, and, um, it was a band called Busted Outlook who uh, are no longer around. Unfortunately, there was some bad stuff surrounding that band. Yeah. Um, so Cutting Through played from Portland, um, a band called Climate, um, and a band that you've probably heard of called No Right opened the show. Oh, yeah. 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 So no, no Right opened the show. So I, went to the, um, so I went to that show, and on this little table, there's some flyers for someone looking to start a band. And it said for fans of, like, Mindset, fury um and i forget what else um i still have the flyer actually somewhere that's so cool um, that's awesome yeah and initially we were a band we were called bark like like bark like a dog yeah you know um so it was like hey i want to some guy saying i want to start this band and there i think there was a phone number or like a link to the demo or something like that so i grabbed the flyer 
I was like, all right, cool. I'll check this out. And I'd been thinking on and off. Like there was one or two times I had tried to hook up with some other musicians in the area and it just didn't really work out. Like all my gear was sitting in a storage unit that wasn't well protected or anything. Um, yeah. So, you know, I go home, I listen and I was like, okay, this is connecting with me. Like this is the type, this type of stuff that I really like, you know, fast, hardcore, you know, that isn't really like moshy beat down or even like DBD, you know, kind of like overly, you know, crust punk stuff. Yeah. Like, this is stuff that I really feel like vibes with what I've liked for my whole life. Um, so I contact, I reached out, contacted Eric and, um, we started, you know, communicating and getting to know one another. Um, and decided, okay, Hey, let's, let's meet up, see if this is something that works out. And, uh, there's a little, there was a little, um, like hourly rental studio, uh, called Soundwave Studios that we, um, decided to meet up at, rented a, we rented the piano room for $12 an hour and nice. he brought his guitar. I brought my drum set. I may have like practiced one time before we met up, you know, to shake off the, shake off the rust, but yeah, you know, decided okay, I'll try out on drums. And we, I remember when he started playing the first song the, it was a, and it has a guitar intro and then the drums hit it. And I remember seeing him hear me play and he had a little smile that, peaked on his face <laughs> and, it, and it was right then that i sort of knew like okay this is gonna this work is, <laughs> this is gonna work yeah yeah and so like we basically became great friends you know kept developing our friendship and we're like yeah let's do this so you know he and i started like learning the songs that he had written for for the demo the demo was actually something he had recorded with his brother-in-law um like distance wise <laughs> and the funny thing is on the demo um the drums on the on the original demo were like electronic drum kit because like <laughs> they didn't have a drummer yeah it was yeah. just like you know they had to they had to do it that way the, the only studio space that could accommodate them only had electronic drums um <laughs> so um yeah so we so we started playing together we were like well hey <laughs> you know i was like hey do you like afi and he's like I love AFI. Nice. And I was like, I was like, perfect. Let's learn. <laughs> let's learn uh, an AFI cover. And we decided to do a single second. Oh, that's so, so cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. So a big part of the interviews I've done with bands have been like kind of getting a little bit of behind the scenes story of some of the music. And so I just love, I love to hear how that comes about. And, and you guys released the cover on Halloween, which is like the most that just checks out so much. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, it was actually recorded along with all of the songs from the self-titled, and we had put it out on a split tape with Kind Crew from Boston. That was like one of our first releases, mm -hmm. um, but it had never gotten the Spotify treatment. So I was like, "All right, let's put it up on online." And you know, James from Time and Pressure did it did a mock cover, a uh, mock AFI cover for us, and it was cool. So yeah, dude. I okay now. So it's I I never put that together that the EP is the self-titled EP. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel so stupid now because I've been calling it ST like it was like, I f yeah, that makes that makes sense now. <laughs> okay, now yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I will say, don't ever tell Davey Havoc this, but I like the Discourage cover of a single second a little bit better than... <laughs> it just has, the breakdown just sounds a little bit better with with the discourage uh you know the discourage version <laughs> yeah we, we took we took a little extra liberties to add some woes and do some kind of slightly different stuff that you know made it our own so yeah no it's great i love it man um so the self-titled ep so you guys put out the demos um and then the was the self-titled ep the first thing did you do any vinyl presses of that yeah so the, so the self-titled ep we recorded that in November 2017 um, with our former guitarist. Um, and, uh, you know, it was basically the same lineup, except we had a different guitarist at the time. Um, and it was recorded at Soundwave Studios. Basically what we did is we rented out, um, we rented out a room there and just said, okay, hold it for us for three days. And um, we recorded it in there, um, laid down eight songs. Um, and then once we had those, we're like, okay, we decided to take two of them and put them on a split release with Kind Crew from Boston, which included the AFI cover, 
And it also included Surface, which you listened to on the three-way split with Fun. That's also from that same tracking session. Nice. That's and, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was eight songs all done, done together. And then the remaining six, we did uh, 300 copies of vinyl. And it was a four-way release between Coin Toss Records, uh, State of Mind Records, who I believe Dave from State of Mind still has a few copies of that left. Um, and overseas, it was with uh, Speedo Wax Records in the UK and Assault Records in Germany. So it was a four-way nice. thing where everyone kind of chipped in, you know, for this new band that's sort of untested, but, you know, it sort of spread everything out. That's so, so cool, man. Yeah, I, I love. I think splits are great. I think there should be more splits done. And um, I don't. I think that's like the first four-way split I've heard of. And with two international record labels, that's super cool, man. Yeah, it was. It was a really cool project to like make happen. And like you know, being on State of Mind, you know, and Coin Toss were really were really awesome experiences. Like Dave's been David State of Mind has been doing his thing for a long time, and like. Indy, who who um, ran Coin Toss Records, which is no longer around anymore, like is responsible for like you know f the first Mind Force record oh and stuff my like gosh. that. Oh gosh, that's pretty you know, legendary. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know little things like that, and um, you know unfortunately he couldn't keep doing his label, and we we probably would have actually we actually would have done Forlorn Hope with him initially. Yeah, um, but that we'll get to that. So, so. yeah, definitely no. So I. Uh, I love the the self-titled EP. Um, Owl Eyes is like a banger for sure. I love Owl Eyes. And the drums on Clarity always always stand out to me too. Yeah, that's that's a fun song. I mean, the, the bass tone, like our bassist Alex is, um, he is, he's like like a prog rock dude. You know, he, he yeah. he's like, he's like, he's the musician of the band for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um and he's got this, this you know, left-handed Rickenbacker bass that like is you know, it's pretty, it's pretty pristine. And what he, what he's able to do is actually split the bass tone into two separate signals, and like you can put one through a guitar amp and another through a bass amp and get that really dirty sound that he gets out of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, which I love. Um, yeah. So okay, so and then and then. I'm, I'm assuming so you guys put out the self-titled and then you probably went out and played a, a ton of shows up until Forlorn Hope came out, right? Well, so what we did is we um, we put that out. We had the split with Kind Crew as the first like tape release on Eric's tape label, Wide Eyed Noise. Um, and then right around the time the record was at the pressing plant, we, um, we parted ways with um, our initial guitarist. Um, it just was one of those things where... Um, his life wasn't really able to accommodate, you know, being in the, in the band and stuff. And so, um, yeah. you know, we, we reached out to, um, to a friend of a friend of mine, Richard, who's now our current guitarist. Um, and he's also a San Diego, a former San Diego guy. He, uh, he lived there. He grew up there as well. Um, and we knew him from, uh, playing in a band called strange ways, um, from Oakland. Oh yeah. 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 So we were like, Hey, would you be interested in like, coming on board and like playing guitar because he was a bassist normally and we're like it's like sure and it ended up being an amazing thing for the band because he brought a whole new skill set especially in terms of like aesthetic and song like songwriting aesthetics um that really helped shape the sound that we ended up uh having for forlorn hope and, and the split with time and pressure that's awesome man yeah so forlorn the the riffs on forlorn hope are just like I don't know. They're they're so sick. They always catch my ear because I, I listen to a lot of music uh, when I run, and I always I'm like it just ca always catches my ear. And the name of the record is cool too, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just a yeah. I I love I love all the lyrics too. Um, Control definitely is is a is one of my favorites. You know the uh, unfiltered expression, channeled aggression, deeper connection. Like that's just such a cool part. It always stands yeah. out to me on that song. Yeah, like Eric does a lot of really in, insightful songwriting. It's introspective and reflective, and you know it's, it's very authentic to him. Um, you know, one of the things about like the lyrics for me personally is that you know I'm like you write whatever is on your heart. Yeah, like that's like if you if you want to you know obviously you know I have we all have boundaries. Some boundaries. Yeah, that, yeah, you know. <laughs> But like, you know, I don't want him to 
to be like, okay, let me make sure that I agree with this. Like, you know, there's, there's certain songs that like, you know, on the self-titled that like a couple of us are like, yeah, I don't think the same way as you about that issue. And that's okay. I'm like, you should still write that song because it reflects what you're trying to say and what you, what your emotional expression is. And that matters to like, put that on the world. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, the, how, how did the, the forlorn hope, like, how did that come together? Did you guys, was it like written in one sitting, not one sitting, but like, did you just sit down and say like, okay, we're going to write this record or did you already have some songs or how did it come about? Yeah, it was so we, so after the self-titled came out, we, we did a tour in the Southwest, um, on that record, did some record, did some record release shows in March of 2018. And that's actually how we became really good friends with Fum. Um, okay. Fum, I was saying it wrong. (laughs) Uh, you know, like fee-fi-fo Fum. It took me forever to figure it out too. Now I know. So, um, so we did some shows with them when they were out here. And then on our tour, we played Denver and played with them um, and, you know, kept developing a friendship with them. Um, so one of the things that, that evolved out of that was a decision like, hey, let's do a tour together. So we did um, a few shows in the Pacific Northwest November 2018 together. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, we were developing a friendship with them. And part of how Forlorn Hope came about was we were driving up to Portland for our first show and we're listening to podcasts. Well, one of the podcasts we were listening to was Last Podcast on the Left. And we were listening to a two-part series on the Donner Party. Well, the Donner Party, when they were coming out west and suffering immensely, yeah. were, they named themselves the Forlorn Hope. Oh, okay. And basically the idea is we are the last hope for humanity. Like, you know, <laughs> to be a Forlorn Hope is like we're the last hope. Um so, so there's kind of like an irony of like where we took it from, but the whole concept being like, you know, this, this last bastion of hope, um, you know, and that sort of was like agreed upon as like, Hey, like we like that concept. We want that to be for the record. And so right around that time we're, that we were touring, we were spending a lot of time writing um, and we really, you know, just knuckled down and got a bunch of songs ready to go and booked some time at Earhammer Studios in Oakland. And um, Greg, who's the engineer there, um, he also recorded High on Fire. And like a week after we were there with him, he won a Grammy for that record, you know? Dang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was a very different experience, you know, to go in. Um, like when we did the self-titled, I didn't feel terribly ready. And like we made a bunch of changes the day before we tracked drums. So it was kind of an uncomfortable experience. But this time I was like, I want to go in ready. I want to I want to be prepared. So I spent a lot of time practicing and was pretty much able to get my drum tracks in about an hour and a half, basically. Um, and so we did two days there. We laid down the tracks for Learn Hope. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when we got it back, uh, we, we were going to have uh, Indy from Coin Toss put it out. And unfortunately, he had to fold the label. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through... So this is January 2019 when we had that record done. Um, and it took a year before Patient Zero like, was able to agree to put it out. Um, I think initially when we were soliciting people for it, it was a very frustrating pr- process to actually get this record out. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we had, we had a few labels all back out on us, um, you know, or just kind of like, say yeah they'll do it and then not prioritize it so it was just kind of a frustrating experience and then i think eric had actually hit up patient zero initially and jerry said hey i can't do it right now um but then came back around when we decided we were getting frustrated like let's just put out the songs some of the songs online and we put out a winter promo and i think jerry heard it and was like yo i can do this now (laughs) yeah it rips (laughs) yeah and one of the things we ended up doing with the record, um, the initial mix um, of it, I don't think was really the right mix for us. Um, so my other band, Tuning, had just worked with Zach Oren, um, who did stuff like Violence, Violence. Uh, he did the first two Go It Alone records. Like Classics. he was the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he uh, 
he had just done our record defining the purpose um that we put out and um so i hit him up i was like hey can you re- can you remix and remaster this and and he did um and so it ended up being being a mix that i think fits the music a lot more it's a little punchier um i think it's just it's more suited the drums the drums definitely punch a bit more whereas the initial mix they were a little recessed um but yeah so patient zero came on board um and we decided okay what we'll do is we'll do four of the songs on an ep and then we'll take two of them and we'll put them on a split um and so we started looking around for who was a band that we could do a split with. Um, and the, I had known time and pressure from about, I played in, in a band called dying for it for about six months. Um, and we went to the Midwest in 2018 to do a handful of shows. Yeah. And this was right when time and pressure, uh, had put out their demo. Um, so I met those guys. Um, they knew who discouraged was, um, and so we sort of started developing a friendship. Um, and right around the time Patient Zero, you know, was we were looking for a split partner. I was actually booking a West Coast tour for Time and Pressure and another band that I that I play bass in called Spirits. Um, you know, a tour that unfortunately got COVID, you know, yeah. and uh, got canceled because our first show was March 17th. So is what it is. But yeah, um, yeah. so um we were looking for a band and long story short, they were like, well, let's, let's do a split together. Um, and it ended up, it's ended up being just an amazing thing to like have time and pressure, you know, and have a time and pressure split with discourage. Like time and pressure is one of my favorite bands right now. Yeah, um, they're awesome. Yeah. And so it ended up, uh, we took all the songs from that session, four songs for forlorn hope, and then two for a split with time and pressure. Nice. That that's so funny because that was gonna be like my last question was gonna be about the time and pressure split. Um, both oh, yeah. both are, uh, Burden and the Tiger are both killer songs from you guys, and the time and pressure songs are great. <clears throat> I love the artwork on the on that split too. Yeah, when that I, is all. That is all James, the guitarist. Time and pressure. He has been doing our design work. He is fantastic. Um, you know, it's been he he's doing a lot of the. Uh, design work for like safe inside records um nice and that sort of stuff he's he's really good yeah man when i think when i think of like a classic like typical hardcore record and what it looks like i picture exactly what the split artwork looks like yeah yeah. i mean just like those letters and um yeah it's 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 a great record and everything discouraged has put out is awesome um unfortunately we're like almost out of time (laughs) That sure. went by really fast, but, um, <laughs> I'll just, the last thing I'll ask is like, what's, you know, I, I look the, it looks like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for, you know, shows to come back and stuff. So what do, yeah. do you guys have any like particular plans for the near future or anything you want to share or anything like that? Sure. We're in the process of writing right now. Um, you know, right now we've got about eight songs demoed. Um, we're, we're, we're going to write. Um, nice. and hopefully we're going to record, you know, middle of this year. I, that's, that's my hope. Um, you know, everything's up in the air at this point, but we're in writing mode. My other band tuning just, just, uh, recorded a record. Um, so now that that's done, I'm going to give a lot of focus to, to this project and to really putting together I th- what we feel like will be our magnum opus. Like I really yeah. want to put out a record that we're like, yo, if, if we don't do anything else, we stand by everything in this and then we're going to hopefully get out and tour at some point. I want to get over to Europe. Um, but you know, love to play locally too. Yeah, definitely. So we can tentatively maybe expect a discourage LP in the coming year. You can maybe, (laughs) maybe, yeah, maybe a little more than tentatively. You can, you can expect, you can expect new music from us, um, at some point, you know, definitely relatively soon yeah looking forward to it um oh the last thing i want to say is the the riff on forlorn hope is like always gets stuck in my head you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) i love that so much um well matt it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you uh i really really appreciate you calling in the show 
like I said, in the future, we'll have you and the band live in the studio right before you go back to play a set in Casa de la Raza. Um, that's the that's the hope for the future. Um, Absolutely, man. And we'll get burritos from El Buen Gusto on Milpit. Dude, that is the spot right there. That's so yeah, funny because sure. El Buen Gusto is a pretty low-key spot in Santa Barbara. And no one, oh. even people that are from here and live here, they don't really like know what's up with it. That is my go-to burrito spot. Like one, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We will hit that up for sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah, this show will be... Um, it's recorded. I'll throw it up on SoundCloud later this evening. So, you know, anyone can listen to it. If you have kind of a tradition I've done is, uh, if you have any old tapes of discourage or anything laying around that you want to sign and send to me, put it, I'll put it in the studio along with tapes and things I have from other bands. Um, right on cassette specific, not specifically. I mean, I started doing tapes. Um, but I mean, it's whatever, whatever you can find that you think, you know, that you don't mind getting rid of and just sign it and kind of have a collection of bands I've interviewed. And, um, yeah. So thank you again so much. Yeah. We've been live on the radio for the last hour. Um, I'll send you the, the link for the SoundCloud, uh, later this evening. And I hope you have a great rest of your Thursday, man. And can't wait to meet you in person and stage dive to some discouraged songs.